Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to Sam in the Morning with Kelsey only on LA Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, December 17th. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. Folks, we're sitting here with a big box of donuts, and uh, <laughs> we can't get through the show fast enough so we can get to some apple fritters and everything else I saw in there. <laughs> We have a couple of special guests in the studio. Uh, we're going to get to them in just a minute. And they surprised us with a box full of donuts. So we are happy. Kelsey, so that's going to ruin your entire workout from this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's why we work out, right? So we can eat fattening things. So true. <laughs> so true. Do it while I can. Yeah. So what kind of workout, uh, workout did you put in in the morning? Like long? How long is it like usually? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too long. I'm filming a yoga segment on Saturday. Day. Mm. So I kind of practiced my routine a little bit and then which was a good really good warm up. Mm-hmm. And then after that I just did some light weight training and a little bit of cardio and plyo mixed in there and get the heart rate up and get a little sweat going on. Yeah, yeah. So you go into the gym and do that? Or you know, I actually have a little home gym. Oh, it's, how cool. Yeah, sometimes some you know, there's a gym in my complex, so sometimes I'll go down there. Uh-huh. But Usually I find myself just working out upstairs. I have like, you know, a bench and weight, some dumbbells yeah. and a nice. few other things. So yeah, it's really convenient and I have a great yeah. view of the city. So <laughs> I know. It's well, like, you know how to live. It's there ironic because I'm working out in my home because I'm too lazy to even <laughs> walk downstairs <laughs> to the gym. But hey. No, but that's the way to do it, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, if you don't have to be around other sweaty bodies, that's fine, right? Uh, I don't mind that. <laughs> you I know. don't mind that, huh? Well, well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure on hot guys, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that anybody where sweating, I right? live, I am one of the only people with working limbs. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes, it's a much older population. Whoa. I love my neighbors; they're yeah. amazing, but they're like. Hey, kid, yeah, how you so doing? Yeah, so you're the kid there, huh? <laughs> yes, yes, wow, yes, that yes. must so, make you feel special. It does. So, you know, needless to say, there's they don't really work out much. Every now and then, there's, you know, there are a couple people who are, like, religious in the gym every day, and I love it. Uh-huh. But uh, very few, so. Yeah. Our gym is a low priority where yeah. we live. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. So, um, we're just going to cover a couple things before we get to our guests. Um I guess uh, Ben Carson was going to go to Africa and Israel and cancel his trips because it's too dangerous. Really? Because of the risks, yeah, the security oh, risks. No. So this is the world we live in, and you know we're going to discuss that with our guests and everything. But uh, this is, uh, you know, I mean, th- this is bizarre now that that you know people in politics and stuff can't travel freely because we're threatened so much. You know, it's crazy. And yeah. So, 
So I don't know what he's going to do, but, you know, I don't know. At this point, is it really important? I mean, he's really fallen in the poll, in the polls. Yeah, I mean, know? he's not going to be. He's definitely not a front runner at the moment, and I don't, no, huh? I don't see him at the finish line. I know, I, I know. know. A lot of talk about Cruz and, and uh, Rubio, so I'm glad. That's our prediction. Yeah. I'm going to call it closer to the race, and we'll see if I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Winner gets a free breakfast. Sounds but. good. And a box of donuts, too. I know. Maybe we'll pick the same guy, though. Yeah. Who knows? It's yeah, still, who knows? It's it's still up in the air, you know. I mean, it is. So, it's a toss up for me. Yeah, I know. So we'll see, but it's uh it's getting at least exciting, you know. I mean uh I never thought I'd say that about politics, but it has gotten pretty exciting. You know, I'm all Almost about like the entertainment. We, right? I'm all about the entertainment. Yeah. We have to kind of give credit where credit's due. Come on, Trump is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, if he's nothing else, he's funny. He is funny. <laughs> you got to give him funny, that. Yeah. I mean, he's hilarious. I know. That's the funny thing I was going to bring up is I guess Vladimir, Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump is bright and talented. Oh. So he likes him a lot, and I guess Trump likes him too. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> so, uh, so Donald Trump said he'd get very, along very well with Putin. And the funny thing is, is that uh, can you? I mean, they're both pretty out there, you know. Yeah. So imagine both of them sitting. I'm not surprised he likes uh, Trump. Maybe he seems like uh, the least threat for him. I don't know. That might be the case. You know? Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, the whole world has gone upside down, I'm telling you. It's like crazy. It has. You know, my mom and dad and little sister, little lucky ducks are in belize at the moment they're really? on a cru- i know yes they're on a cruise Whoa. i know and i was supposed to go or i wanted to go but i am just so busy i just couldn't really get away it didn't work out huh? it didn't work out no and so they went on this week they're still on it actually they get back saturday i believe and they went to like belize and honduras and i was a little bit worried about uh, them going to honduras because yeah. i was reading that it's the uh you know, has the highest crime rate really? in the world, in the entire world. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, all the guns are in Texas. Like, can't take those <laughs> on the cruise ship. So I'm like, like stay armed, folks. But no, um, they they were fine. They, of course, were in t- really touristy destinations. So Wow. Yeah. Where did they have to fly to? To Honduras to get on the cruise? No. You know, actually, they took off uh, from Houston. Oh, really? Which is really nice. Yeah, because it's just, it's a, you know, a few-hour drive, not very far to, it's like three hours, actually, about. Right. From Hondo, Texas. So right, they but didn't have too wh- far to where travel. Where did they fly to? Where did they land from Texas? No, I mean, we're from. They're from Texas, right? So they just drove to Houston, got on the boat, right, and then and then went. Oh, so the the boat yeah. left from Houston. Yeah, left from Houston. Really? Yeah. Shows you how much I know about my geography. <laughs> I didn't realize Houston was near the ocean at all. It is. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I better hit the the atlas again because this is ridiculous. <laughs> that I wouldn't know. I would think Houston is inland for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, another reason to go to Texas, right? Yeah, yeah you'd like just it. So big, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was in Austin for a couple of days, but that's not enough. Yeah, you you're know? telling me. I, I yeah. actually went back for the first time since college uh, yeah. during Thanksgiving and 
It was epic. Was it fun? Yes, really? it was so fun. You still met friends from back in school? I did, really? actually. <laughs> that was the cool part. And it was hard because I was only in town for like a night or a oh, day, okay. like an afternoon and an evening. Yeah. So it was really hard to see everyone. I was like giving everyone like hour-long slots. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you meet me here for an hour and then I go there and then I go there. So yeah, but I actually did get a, end up getting to see almost everybody. So it was, it was nice, great. Nice, nice. Well, very cool. So how long is the cruise for? They're they're gone for a week. Wow. They're gone for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And we went on another epic cruise a few years ago. I can't believe it's been that long ago. But we went to Alaska for two weeks on a cruise there. So that was really fun. Because my parents were celebrating their 25th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yes. Now it's, oh my gosh, almost 30, I think. But (laughs) yeah, they, they went there on their honeymoon. So we decided to revisit it. 25 years later that was that was an epic so you liked it i do i get a bit seasick yeah you know so that part isn't very fun if if yeah that's true some rough waters but i love the idea of a cruise i mean you have like the food right everything is right there right the bed (laughs) you have everything right there you don't have to drive anywhere you know yeah it's like adult entertainment Right there. Absolutely. It's amazing. And then, you know, they have the spa and you can get this like spa pass for the whole time. And Really? Yeah. So I'm in heaven on a cruise. And then parties by the pool and everything. I know. I love that. I've been to several cruises. I used to work for a travel agency. So I. Oh, fun. So I, yeah, I got to travel a lot. I wasn't a travel agent though. So I was just in accounting, you know, but I still mm. got all the benefits and everything. So I've been on a Mexico cruise and, and Caribbean cruise and stuff. And those are nice. Oh, love you know, it. But, uh, for my job, we're actually going to be doing some traveling to shoot fitness videos. So that'll be wow. fun. Yeah. Where will you go to? Well, we haven't quite decided yet. We're thinking somewhere in the Caribbean. Wow. You know, but yeah. it could really be anywhere. I mean, Costa Rica, Hawaii. and That's true. Get all these nice beaches and everything. And, right. And yeah. we shoot in exotic locations already, but just kind of around California. So uh, it'll be nice to, to branch out and, yeah. and go elsewhere. So does that help, like, sell the videos and stuff? I mean, when, when you guys go on location and things like that? You'd be surprised how many people comment and, and email us about, like, how much they love the location. Really? So, so yeah. it's worth it for them to spend the money and everything to go there. It is. Well, you know, it's like it's four ninety nine a month. You know, I mean, it's like what you spend that at Starbucks on a coffee one morning, right? So right. it's definitely worth it for your health to to do that. And then you know, you have top trainers, and in addition right. to no, I, I meant for the that, people to go and film the the movies. It's worth it for them to actually. Well, it's actually like. Just a very small crew. Yeah. So we just do it ourselves. Right. But it still costs money to get there, right? Yeah. Okay. It does. So th- that's what I was wondering if, if it's worth it, uh, if it's worth the expense to actually come up with nice I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth it. I do. Good. Good for you. You see, so you know how to live. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> You're going to have to write a book about this I know. is how you live. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Nothing else really matters today. Let's bring in our <laughs> guests now. And uh, we have very interesting people in the studio. We have uh, Mr. Steve Patton. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Sam, and thank you, Kelsey. It's good to be here for both Patty and me. Uh, thank yeah. you. And uh, Patty Moser, right? Yes. And you're... Uh, 
And you didn't want to talk, but we're going to have you talk anyway. Okay, you can, you can contribute a little bit. So you feel like you belong. I mean, after all, you brought us the donuts, you know. Yeah. I already feel like I belong. Yeah. There you go. Just when you talk, get closer to the mic, you know. Okay. Like, yeah. Is that easy for you? Let me just lower it a little bit, and we'll lower this. And there you there go. There we go. Now you're in business. Okay. So, uh, and you both wrote a book. Um called uh, Foreign Correspondent. And uh, so let's uh, tell us briefly about what the book's about, and then we'll talk about your background and how it all came to be. So uh, Foreign Correspondent, I would imagine you were one yourself. I worked for CBS News for uh, in the 1970s, 1980s, uh, stationed in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh-huh. And then also in Seoul, Korea. But the CBS sent me all over the world. And uh, this book is uh, is a memoir uh, of, of type of, of my experiences in doing and the stories we covered and what we did as uh, for CBS News as reporter around the world. Mostly, wow. mostly for some reason, CBS got the idea that I was uh, uh, okay in, in wartime situations. So I found myself going from one war to the other. And Kelsey talked about uh, Belize. I have very fond memories of Belize when we went to El Salvador in 1980. Uh-huh. And uh, El Salvador was challenging, to be sure. And when we left, we flew and we landed in Belize. And it was like coming to uh, a garden spot of the world. Really? It was, it was huh? a lovely, lovely area. Wow, wow. So you were uh, during the 80s in South America, in Latin America there? Uh, I, I was in just, just El Salvador. The war there, there right. was a, uh, a civil war going on in right. El Salvador. Really brutal civil war. I did, I did yeah. most of my work in the Middle East and in the Far East, but had that one tour in El Salvador. Uh, covering that civil war between the government and the and the rebels, right? So they made sure they sent you to every dangerous place in the world. <laughs> well, I guess uh, I had I had been in the military and served during in the Vietnam War. Oh, really? And uh, I guess the word got out that. Uh, he wasn't going to get shot right away. I'm not sure how they could tell that. <laughs> but uh, they, they seemed to send me in those situations, and that seemed to be uh, where most of my career was spent. That's what really the book covers, and uh, yeah. wars in the Central America, in the Middle East, and in the Far East. And those are like historic places and historic times that you went there. You know, I mean, major fighting and, and things that actually changed the course of history, uh, like Vietnam. And and when were, uh, when were you in the Middle East? During what years? In the Middle East, I was stationed in Bangkok, Thailand, as I mentioned, Sam. Um, and uh, CBS gave me a call one day and said, why don't you uh, just head off to Lebanon and spend a couple of weeks there? And to see what uh, what's going on there, and I took that as they were trying to broaden my experience there and get me into more areas than just Southeast Asia, right. where I worked a lot on POWs and MIAs from the Vietnam War. Mm. So I went to Lebanon in May of 1982, and was uh, beautiful, beautiful country, racked unfortunately by right. Warfare. It was beautiful in the beginning. In the beginning, it right. was the garden spot. It was the Switzerland of the Middle East, they call Lebanon. Right. By the time I like got the there, French Riviera, actually. The French Riviera. That's right. That's yeah. actually right. So, 1982, that was the Lebanon War, the Lebanese War with Israel, right? That's correct. They okay. said, Steve, spent a couple of weeks in Beirut, wow. <laughs> which I did, and I was there about a week, and all of a sudden I started hearing planes overhead with a Star of David on them, right. and they were bombing Beirut in response to an attack mm-hmm. upon the uh, Israeli ambassador in London. And they felt that the Palestinians who were taking refuge in Lebanon were mm. behind it, so they uh, they bombed and they invaded. And so instead of a couple of weeks in uh, 
as you say, uh, the Paris of the Middle East. <laughs> uh, I was there about four and a half months covering that. Uh, that very unfortunate, very ugly, like all wars are. Yeah, mm. yeah. Now people don't realize like what danger you put yourself in as a journalist. But look how. ISIS has really been capturing journalists, you know, uh, Hezbollah. Uh, it's usually foreign journalists that they take. Weren't you concerned about that? You must have been. The danger of being in a war is always there and it's always in front of you. But in most wars that I've been in, I've been in a lot of them, uh, the sides would generally respect the role of a journalist. So you could always get exceptions to that, mm-hmm. but they would see that you were an observer. You were impartial, at least you try to be impartial. Um, ISIS is a whole different story. Right. Their, their brutality is beyond description and beyond what we in journalism or civilized society, I think, is really. So you've never seen anything with. like that, even I've, in Vietnam? Uh, even in Vietnam, I've never seen. Wow. That level of brutality, uh, as yeah. we've seen against journalists, against people in general. Where, where have you ever seen a pilot shot down, put in a cage, and burned to death? Right. What, what kind of people would do something like that? Not a, let alone mention the beheadings right. that they conducted. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is that when they overtake an area, they start doing like public behead- beheadings, and you have oh. to be there. Yeah. Or they kill you. So they're forcing the kids and the women and everybody to watch this. Uh, do you have any theory as to why they're that brutal? I mean, are they like really trying to get their point across? Is that what it is? Uh, their, their brutality is obvious, and that is uh, look at the name War on Terror. Mm-hmm. The idea of terrorists is to terrorize. Right, to scare people, right? To scare people, right. and that's what they are doing. Right. And they, they would think by, by killing uh, hostages, journalists, uh, military folks like that pilot, uh, that they would somehow frighten forces who might come against them. I, I doubt that will happen. Yeah. But they're trying to terrorize. That's the whole point of terrorists. Right. And that's the thing, to, trying to get policy to change and things like that, you know, by... I, I think in terror what it is is you try to frighten the people into pressuring their leaders to comply with what the terrorists want to do. And that's essentially it. I mean, look how scared we are now. You yeah. know, we're running scared all over the place. So they've succeeded, and usually they do because, I mean, at least in scaring people, because they uh, they get to the... To the crux of your fear, you know. I mean, they get right there where you don't feel safe anywhere, you know. And uh, so, I mean, I've done a lot of reading on ISIS, and I pretty much understand what's going on there. And they are so. But but going back to that, uh, I I remember also in, in Lebanon, a lot of the uh, the hostages were journalists as well. So I think they're just like easy pickings for terrorists. Because you're there, you know, and you almost like have to be there, and you're easy, you know. I mean, they, it's harder to take a soldier or, you know, or security person or something like that, but a journalist is right there. So you took a lot of risk, a lot of risk in your work. What made you, I mean, were you, were you scared at all being in those areas? Um, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> if you go into a war and you're not scared, you have to be scared. That makes you more alert. It makes you more aware of, of your surroundings. 
uh, as a journalist, you try to be intelligent. You try to take you, you want to take some risk because you need to get the story. You're competitive, like uh, LA Talk Radio. You're competitive. You're on the news. You're trying to get people's attention, uh, and you do you folks do an excellent job of it. Thank um, you. Thank you. As a journalist, you're trying to get that story. You're trying to get back and find out what what's going on and explain that to the people back home. Mm. Um, I had an experience in Lebanon. They, um, they sent me out to. Uh, a producer named Richard Cohen, uh-huh. who was a, a great producer for CBS News, um, and uh, uh, had a wonderful career at CBS. Has, has been has some health problems now. Married to uh, the journalist uh, Meredith Vieira, and oh, really? TV personality. I mean, he's uh-huh. a great guy. He sent me out. He said, "Steve, go out to the Bacan Valley and just check it out." Right. Well, when a producer tells you that, that, that gives you some leeway. The Baca is 20, 25 miles east of uh, Beirut. You go across the mountains, you get out there. We were out there. The Syrian army uh, pretty much occupied that part of Lebanon, as you probably know, Sam. Right, Kelsey. at the time. Right. Uh, at that time, anyway. Right. Um, and uh, we got the story, and uh, I had to get back to uh, Richard in Beirut and get to get it satellite to uh, our folks in New York so people in America could see the story. And uh, my driver took me uh, back to Beirut, and he said, I've got a shortcut. Oh. And I said, oh, <laughs> okay, okay. That, that's, that sounds like fun. And these folks know what they're doing. He's a, a Christian, um, a Lebanese, and he, he knew what he was doing. He was driving an old aging Mercedes. He said, i got a shortcut. I said, whatever you say, as long as you get me back to Beirut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, July of 1982. Uh, and I was a little bit on edge because when we checked into our hotel, matter of fact, we start a book this way. We checked in our hotel in the Bacab Valley about a week prior to this. Um, the hotel uh, was unusual. It, uh, the structure was standing, but it didn't have any roof. It, where, the, where there were doorways, there were no doors, and there were a lot of holes all over the place. Oh, God. Uh, the Israelis had, had, <laughs> bombed, uh, had bombed it. And, so that was our introduction. There. So you, you know that you're, you're in, a, in a war zone. So yeah. my driver, getting back to go, trying to get back to Beirut, takes me um, in the shortcut, goes down the valley. We go to a checkpoint, stop the checkpoint, and there are Syrian soldiers there. Now, you're talking about journalists taking risks. This was unplanned entirely. I didn't plan to take this shortcut. My yeah. driver did. So I can blame him, I guess. <laughs> yes, you can. What um, the heck? But I'm, I could have said, no, let's not do it. I was paying him. But in any event, uh, Syrian soldiers, and they asked us um, they asked who we were. And we, he, my, my uh, driver was interpreting for me. I, I didn't speak Arabic at the time. I do now. Oh, wow. I, I just had a it's few impressive. words that I could, I could use. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they said, wait a minute. They told, and my driver was interpreting for me. He said, wait a minute. And they said, uh, we have to get our officer. Officer comes out. Here walking out to me, a Syrian captain, tall, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", blonde hair, Blue-eyed, <laughs> remember Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia? Yeah, uh-huh. that's what this that's guy the way looked, he looked like. <laughs> I said, "This is a Syrian captain." <laughs> so he talked for. A while. He spoke passable English. He asked me who I was. I had the proper uh, credentials, not only from Lebanese government but from the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, which pleased him. Mm. No Syrian credentials, but the Syrians did admit they were in Lebanon anyway. Right. <laughs> So he, um, I said, okay. And he's about ready to let me go. And gosh darn it, if not, he looks up in the sky, a blue sky like we're looking at right now, these beautiful uh, headquarters here of L.A. Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking out at the, the beautiful mountains of Los Angeles. And there's a plane overhead, and it's got a Star of David on it. 
Whoa. Israeli jet, yeah. American-made. That sends the captain into a rage. Really? Oh, no. And, and he's about ready to let me go, and he starts talking Arabic and yelling at me, and it was all my fault. The whole war was my fault. <laughs> the fact that he was there was my fault. The plane up in the air was my fault. Wow. Dude, and, man, so, he needs a Xanax. See, that's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you go there, you become a scapegoat. If I know? had a capsule of him, I would have gladly given him <laughs> oh, Xanax. Goodness, if relax. I had a club, I would have. Um, <laughs> so he yells something at, at the guards. These two young guys get in the back seat of our taxi. They tell us to get in the front seat of the driver. I'm in the passenger seat. And they take us down into the village, apparently to the headquarters. And they, uh, we get there. They take a left turn, and we're going straight for a stone wall. Mm. Nowhere, nothing else other than the stone wall. Wow. All I can think of is a grade B movie from World War II. Mm. They just caught a resistance fighter in occupied France, because of course this was occupied Lebanon and Syria that the French had as a mandate since World War I. It had a very French feel to it. This was a yes. French village with the stones, the cobblestones and the like. Stopped the car, told me to get out. And I said, uh, okay. So I got out, and I wish Kelsey and Sam and Patty... I could say that I had some miraculous plan to escape. I was going to leap over the wall and, and get on my way, Tarzan-like. And all I could do was just sit there and say, is this it? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. it. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. As it turned out, um, they started to motion to me, and it wasn't, I wasn't going to be lined up against the stone wall. They motioned me up the stairs. I said, oh, they're going to shoot me going up the stairs. That's going to uh. be fun, like a, a shooting gallery. But there was a door at the top of the stairs on the side of this building. There were exterior stairs went up the building. And they motioned me to go into the door at the top of the stairs. I walked in. And here are 25, 30 Syrian soldiers just lounging around, having a grand old time. I walked in. The major, I learned out later, was a major who was in command, sat up in his bed. He was lounging there. Sat up in the bed and said, Hey, how you doing? Perfect <laughs> English. I said, I'm uh, fine. The soldiers told me to come in here, and uh, I'm a journalist, and I work for CBS News, American News Organization, and uh, they just told me to come in this room. They said, oh, really, from the U.S.? I said, yes. And the Syrian major looks at me and says, I used to live in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. This, oh, yeah. this is definitely going to take a better turn than I thought. Yeah. We talked for a while. Of course, as you may know, Kelsey and Sam, uh, Detroit has the largest concentration of uh, Arabic, of Arabs, right. uh, outside the Middle East, because many of them came after World War II to the, the auto plants. Uh, and so we talked about that. He let us go, and I got back to Beirut, and Richard Cohen told him the story, and so a long answer to your comment about you try to take uh, try to take wise chances, but sometimes things come up that you just can't yeah. foresee. Yeah, right. And I'm sure at that point you probably didn't think you had a book in you yet, but but then you did. Well, many years later, in fact, that both the Peter O'Toole looking uh, Syrian captain and the major are in the book. At the time, I was just thinking about surviving another day. Yeah. I didn't think about <laughs> sure. I'm sure. That. Was that so, the scariest experience you've had? One of them, anyway. One of them, yes. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not pleasant being in the hands of others. You, you can't really imagine being a prisoner unless you've been a prisoner. And, uh, yeah. for example, you mentioned Donald Trump. 
Right. I like Donald Trump. He does a lot of good things. He'd be a crazy, wild guy. Right. I, I think uh, Vladimir Putin might be concerned he's going to win because <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to Donald Trump has Vladimir Putin, like I guess like you said, Sam, <laughs> say he's okay. We're all going to think he's horrible then. But, I know. Uh, Donald Trump, I like the guy. He has some good ideas, but he says dumb things. Yeah. One yeah, of the yeah. dumbest was, um, well, the Muslim thing. Going to yeah. not let Muslims come to the country? Give me a break. Um, but work. before that, John McCain is not yeah, a war hero? Not a war hero. Yeah, That's not, how he started, uh, Trump, with all these, uh, all that drivel and crazy everything. Stuff, you, know? stuff. You, you, you try being in a prison. We mentioned it in my being held by the Syrians. I was held for three hours, and I was petrified, yeah. utterly petrified. John McCain was held there five and a half years. Right. And Definitely tortured. a war hero. And, and you did, dedicated a lot of your career to actually... Uh, tracking down or searching for POWs, right, and MIAs and stuff. So you would know, yes. you yes. would know what they go through. It, it, exactly. And the, uh, I mean, when the United States sends its young men and women overseas to war, mm. uh, those Americans must know that if they're captured, if they're lost, if they falter, if they fall behind, America will come back and get them and bring them home. Mm. And this story, uh, this book, is a story of. Uh, efforts to bring uh, Americans home who are in, in that position. Um, it focuses on uh, the Vietnam War in terms of the POWs and MIAs and trying to bring those folks, uh, those folks home, what I was trying to do as a journalist in trying to locate them. And it's a, it's a, a very, very difficult story. Um, but the U.S. has been good about it. The, uh, uh, we sent... During the Vietnam War, we sent about 3.4 million men and women off to Southeast Asia. That includes uh, Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, South Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, and Thailand, and the waters of their own. Uh, 2.6 million, including, uh, including me, uh, I went there as well. It went to South Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I checked just before I came in to see you folks today the latest figures. We've got now MIAs in, uh, from the Vietnam War. 1,624. My God. Uh, Do you think any of them are still alive? I mean, that's a long time. It's a long time. Um, it's, uh, I, we asked, this, and we, we write about this in the book a, a great deal. We, uh, we asked all of the experts, uh, Ann Mills Griffiths, who is the uh, chairwoman now of the National League of POW MIA families, uh, Richard Armitage, who has worked for the Defense Department for many years, was Deputy Secretary of State under uh, Colin Powell. Um, we've talked to Richard Childress. Dick Childress was a retired Army colonel who formulated President Reagan's plan of, uh, of the POWs and MIAs during the 80s. Their general feel is it's very little chance that there would be. Uh, I talked with Paul Mather. He was Lieutenant Colonel, wonderful guy as well, who um, was my primary contact at the Bangkok Embassy when we were looking for MIAs in Indochina. And they all felt that very little chance that we would still have people there. They would be, I was in my early 20s when I went. They'd be my age now. I'm in my early 70s. By the way, Kelsey, uh, older people. She knew you'd probably say something, right? Sometimes do use their limbs. 
<laughs> I don't think she was making a generalization. No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> it's just her neighbors. <laughs> of course not. Now, you can come over anytime. I do calisthenics in the morning. Oh. I go for about a three to four mile run. Oh, wow. I will keep special note, though, of my limbs as I'm, I'm doing it. Look at you. Just, yeah. just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but back to the POWs and my They'd be my age now. They'd be in the early 70s. I'm surviving. Uh, Patty and I are here. But they've been in the jungle for 40, 45 years, if indeed they are, they have survived. I, I don't want to rule it out, but I certainly don't want to bring up any false hopes for the, the, the families the next of kin. I have no information whatsoever that we have any still left alive yeah, in yeah. Indochina. Indochina, remember, is now Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. We were in Bangkok, Thailand, because it bordered those three countries. I see. Okay. Um, so um, so you wrote the book. For those of you just joining us, uh, we're talking to Steve Patton. We also have uh, Patty Mosier here, and we'll get to her in a couple minutes. And uh, they've, wrote, they've written the book, uh, Foreign Correspondent. Uh, do you have uh, – I know you, uh, you have a Facebook page. Do you have a website too or not yet for the book? We do have a website. Uh, it's uh-huh. leeandgrantinternational.com. Lee and Grant, it's, that's uh, the Civil War generals. We're Civil War buffs, Patty and I. Oh, wow. Pa- Patty's <laughs> middle name happens to be Lee. My uh-huh. middle name happens to be Grant. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we came up with Lee and Grant. There you go. Now, the Southern And we is, took up business in Atlanta. Really? Georgia. Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. And, and Patty, what do the Southerners say? When we, what do we change the name when we go up north? How do they say Grant that? And Grant and Lee. Grant and Lee. We're, we're Grant and Lee. We do have leeandgrantinternational.com. You can go out there and punch in foreign correspondence on the, the uh, main navigation bar. We've got a good, we think a good Facebook page anyway, facebook.com yes. forward slash the book foreign correspondent. Right. Oh, great. And there's uh, information there and you can uh, get some ideas about the book and everything. And uh, this is fascinating stuff. You were uh, you were stationed in many places as a reporter. You also... Um, you also f- did you actually fight in the Vietnam War? I mean, were you like combatant? I was proud to serve the United States Marine Corps in, uh-huh. in, in South Vietnam. Uh, we went there in 1966. I was stationed on Okinawa mm-hmm. with uh, I was a platoon commander for the Third uh, Marine Division Red Eye Platoon, and Okinawa was uh, at that time controlled by the U.S. And since, of course, it's been reverted to uh, return of the Japanese. But on Okinawa, um, I said to the Marine Corps, uh, "I'm not going to win the war." if uh, you don't send me down to Vietnam. And so they said, well, we have you here in Okinawa, and we'll think about it. And I, <laughs> I begged, and I pleaded, and I became a real irritant to them. So they finally sent me down to Vietnam. <laughs> really? That's wow. my tactic as well on, <laughs> on multiple fronts. Persistence. <laughs> yeah. Persistence. Right. But that's impressive because many people were trying to get out of going to the war, and you actually insisted on enlisting and being sent there. So that's... Uh, it was an honor horrible. honor for me. I'm an American uh, I get the great benefits of this country. That's something that I wanted to do, including my dad was a World War One veteran, was the uh, sat in the front seat of a two-man biplane firing a machine gun, uh-huh. awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross flying over the fields of France. Really? Wow. the Germans World War One. So I, wow. couldn't, I couldn't really... Uh, avoid. Yeah, you had it in your blood pretty much. And didn't want to avoid it. Well, thank you for your service. (laughs) It was an honor. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how old were you at the time? Like very young, right? Uh, What, 18, 20? I was when I went, well, I joined when I was at Berkeley. 
Uh, people love that. You went to the University of California at Berkeley? <laughs> I said, now, wait a minute. We had the most folks of any at the ROTC program of any state university in the country or something yeah. like that. Oh. But I joined uh, in the reserves when I was at Berkeley. And then when I graduated and went through uh, officer candidate school, I was commissioner second lieutenant. And I was 21 at that time. Oh, wow. And uh, so early 20s when I was in the U.S. And, and overseas. Yeah. I know sometimes people don't realize how young the soldiers are. They're you know? babies. I mean, they're, yeah. yeah, they're still babies when they go to war. But uh, but the reason they choose them is because they're in the best shape, right, at that time. You know, and, and they can and, – and I think in the military also they sort of like deconstruct you and rebuild you as a soldier as a fighting machine and I don't know how it was back in your time but I know now uh, that's what they do you know so very true very true right yeah yeah, they, yeah. Uh, I mean they uh, when, I know when I went in the Marine Corps they, you, you go through basic and they uh they uh they make a new person on you right we, we had, we had an, a, a great story of the mother comes to see her son graduate and says uh uh, the Marine Corps says, we made a man out of your son. And the mother says, I sent you a man. Yeah. And that's true, but they do change you, and they do, I think, make you for the better. And it's an experience that I highly value and wouldn't trade for the world. Wow, mm-hmm. amazing. It was an honor. It was a great honor. Yeah, there you go. You see, so some people, young people, should probably take a lot of, uh, um, uh, a big lesson from that, you know, and actually uh, devote themselves to doing something for the country. You know, and many people don't realize it's like, yeah, we let other people go and fight for us, you know. But and and I think especially shameful is the are the ones that deliberately were trying to get out of going to the war. You know, it's it's sort of like let somebody else fight for me. And, right. you know, and, and that's I don't know. That's a coward in my book. But uh, so. Uh, so, Patty, you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you uh, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Massachusetts. Oh, really? Would never go back there because I love California. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> At what point did you move to California? Oh, my goodness, 1970. Okay, so what at the time, what made you want to move? Did you uh, have a career or something? Mostly, uh, I'm an Army wife of 20 years. My husband's an uh, Army vet of 20 oh. years. Oh, uh, Ended up wanting to retire here in California where the weather was nice. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> Good. Yeah, there you go. So so your husband was traveling around too? He his... was. He served in Vietnam as well. Uh, okay. Wonderful soldier and I just loved the Army life. But I would like to comment on something you just said, if I may, Sam. Okay. Sure. Um, when he came back from Vietnam, and Steve experienced the same thing as well, uh, he was literally spit on. Wow. And, of course, we were all in, in the United States near Army bases. And right. he was spit upon oh wow. because he served in Vietnam. However, today, when he does go out, which he, he's very ill at, at the present time, mm. but when he does go out, he has young people saying, thank you, sir. Mm. Steve never is without his hum- U.S. Marine cap, <laughs> ever. Yeah. He has young people stopping him on the street and saying, thank you, sir. Wow. So, you know, very true. Very what true. you said is very true, yeah. but what a nice feeling to see this come back today yeah. Yeah. where it wasn't that way. Exactly, and I think today we appreciate our troops a lot more than we used to. Absolutely. Right? Especially, I mean, and we're not talking World War II. I think there was a lot of support back then. Right. 
But uh, but Vietnam was a whole different story, and I guess people that didn't believe in it were truly fighting the government, the the, the troops, everybody that was trying to do something, you know. And but you believed in the war, right? I mean, I, you I wanted to join in the Vietnam War. I believed that right. when our country goes to war, I think we as, as citizens have a responsibility to uh, to do what we can. If uh, but I, I I don't have a problem with those if you have a conscience objector who doesn't want to go and fight a war if they find some other service they can provide. I don't feel every young man or woman should go to the military. I think they have it's a wonderful experience if they do. But as you just you put your finger on it, Sam. When you do something like that, you, you rise above yourself. You're doing something for the country. You're doing something not just for yourself. You then go into the Peace Corps. They can go do volunteer work on a weekend. So whatever yeah. you can do that does something that's a little bit more than just yourself. It's a wonderful experience in the military, but there are many other ways to serve this great country of ours. Yeah. And following the commander-in-chief's orders. Yeah, well. you have to. You I know, mean, you have to. But that's the thing. We're so important. like... Yeah, we're we're like so um, divided in the country right now. Is that nobody supports anybody anymore? Correct. You know, I don't know what's going on. But is it true? I mean, I read this and I can't refute this really because because uh, I'm a bit strong in history and stuff. But uh, since World War Two, this country has not won a war. Is that true? Think about it for a not, minute. Not the World War II kind of victory. Korea mm. from 1950, 1953 was ended by an armistice. There's a truce there. Right. So is that considered a, um, a win, though? I mean, is that victory? It, it's, it's, it's not a win. Uh, my last duty station for CBS was in Seoul, South Korea. Mm-hmm. And we would go up and cover the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, and... Right. Uh, Another very dangerous place to be. Very dangerous. And they had uh, the North Koreans would be there and the South Koreans would be face-to-face. They'd have a building in which a line went down the middle of the table in the middle of the room. Wow. uh, That was a dividing line. Right. Amazing. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) As as journalists, we could go across, back and forth across lines. We had a, a tag on but we'd have to gingerly step around one fierce-looking South Korean soldier looking at a f- equally fierce-looking North Korean soldier who were about three feet away from each other's noses on either side of, either side of their line uh-huh. as we walked across. That's not a good thing. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> North Korea is a, a, in, in dreadful shape, has been for years. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we didn't conclude the war in a, a victorious way. But yeah. in response to your question... Um, Vietnam was was certainly not a victory. We are allies. We, the United States, uh, as many people want to say, but it's not true, we as the United States did not lose that war. We did something more dishonorable. If we had gone in, fought that war, and gotten our rear ends whipped, that's one thing. Then you just come back and fight another day. We walked away from our allies. Oh, we walked yeah. away from our allies. Right. We let them get whipped. Right. And that wasn't right. When I was in, when I was in uh, South Vietnam, I had the great honor of meeting a, a Vietnamese nun. I was traveling around our, our TAOR, Tactical Area of Responsibility, checking on security. And this, I don't know, I forget why, but a little, a little town that we had near our base. And this Vietnamese nun was a lovely, lovely lady. And I would visit her when I could. And she had this, these kids... And they would tr- crawl over my Jeep when I, we, would, we would drive up. We had just a great time. But she would always tell me that if the, if the communists come, they will kill me. Mm. And I never quite understood why. 
but I assured her that I would protect her. I, being the United States of America. Mm. Eight years later, I'm a civilian living in San Francisco. The U.S. Congress has withdrawn support for the South Vietnamese Army. Predictably, the North Vietnamese are overrunning South Vietnam. They're about ready to destroy the entire country or conquer the entire country, and, and including going through into, into Saigon. I knew I had to go back and get my friend whom I had promised I would protect. Wow. Got on a plane. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In late April, the, the country falls, 30 April of 1975, got on a plane. We were stopped in Hong Kong and never was able to get in. Oh. I wasn't able. No. Wasn't yeah. able to save her. But yeah. that's, that's what happens. This was a lovely lady whose only crime in the world was giving a home to children who had no home. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens when you don't win a war. So Yeah, yeah. There, there you go, you know. And the, the, the thing is, is that, uh, and, you know, because when you walk away from something like this, then you have to go, well, all this effort and all these lives we've lost. I mean, what was it, like 56,000 soldiers we lost? In over, over Yes, over 50,000. You can right. go to the wall in Washington, D.C. I recommend yeah, a all lot of your listeners. So, a lot of people. That's a lot of people to lose just to walk away from it in the beginning. How, how did you feel about that? I mean, were you, like, angry? Uh, I, was, I was aghast. I was disbelieving. How could this country promise... South Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, we would protect them, at least our side, the governments we recognize, we could protect them and walk away. I mean, how can you do that to your own allies? That's why I say it's worse than losing a war is when you abandon your own allies. Yeah. Uh, so you, you look at responsibilities that this country has. We shirked those responsibilities. It was a tough war, granted. But it certainly could have been one, and we should not have walked away from it. Go, I'd recommend, I was going to mention earlier, go to the wall in Washington, D.C. Uh, you will never have an experience and see all yeah. the names, including some of my buddies, all uh, the names on that wall. Yeah. It's, it is just something. But in a further response to your earlier question, Sam, we did win uh, the uh, war in Iraq, uh-huh. win, or Kuwait win Saddam Hussein. Uh, in 1990, invaded Kuwait. We did. The unfortunate aspect of that was, for whatever reason, and I admire uh, the senior President Bush, uh, for instance, H.W. Uh, Bush, but once we had uh, sent those Iraqi troops back into, the, into Iraq from the country they invaded, Kuwait, we didn't go in and finish the job. Right. And take, and that's uh, what take I out mean. Saddam Hussein. Yeah. It made no sense at all. And that led it to... Uh, what, 2003, and his son, President uh, George W. Bush, right. going into March 2003. Who sent him to finish the job, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, everybody, get a foreign correspondent. Uh, you can find out more on Facebook. Uh, the book Foreign Correspondent uh, that comes after the slash of Facebook. So facebook.com slash the book Foreign Correspondent. And you can find out uh, more, obviously, about what Steve Patton has been through. Uh, how, how did you guys meet, Patty? Uh, interestingly enough, I was an insurance agent, and Steve had just got back from overseas, and I wrote his insurance policy. Really? <laughs> wow. And we found out I'd spent nine years in the Far East. Oh, really? Uh, with my husband. Right. And found out we're at the same places. Oh, wow. that's great. Thailand being one. And so then with his my insurance knowledge and his knowledge, I was uh-huh. very, very interested in the POWs. 
Yeah. Steve introduced me to that, and so I started getting into that as well. Right. And I uh, just kind of took it from there. Wow. We became business partners and That's formerly so cool. in Grant Company. I left the insurance business. And <laughs> <laughs> no problem doing that later. No problem doing that. <laughs> How long has it been since then? Have you guys known each other for a while? 30 Oh, wow. 30 years. That's a long time. Very good. So you become good friends too, oh, I would imagine, best right? Oh, I mean, best to, to be able to work with someone for 30 years. I God, know, God. that's awesome. Yeah. She, and we're still talking to yeah. her. <laughs> still talking. She is, she is, the, she is the brains and the beauty of behind us. I'm not sure what I bring to the party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm You're not asking the questions. stories. <laughs> the meat of the story. There you go. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. A lot of fun. Any, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Anything we didn't cover? Uh, I, th- I think Where can a- people find the book? Uh, find the book. You can go on Amazon. Uh, you can find it. Uh, you can give us a call, 1-800-LEE-GRANT. Just think of those two Civil War journals. We'll take uh, your order right over the phone, as you said, facebook.com forward slash the book foreign correspondent. They can do that, or leeandgrantinternational.com on our website, and you can hit foreign correspondent there as well. There you go. Uh, and, and definitely uh, an interesting book. I went through it briefly, but uh, all the background and all the stories stories we've heard here today I think it's worth a read you know so uh, when did you publish the book is it recent Uh, we published it in uh, the end of September of uh, this year so it's just been out a couple months it's new wow congratulations to you I know it's like a baby right it is our baby (laughs) five years in the making five years a book is a baby and we and before we go, Sam, we want to thank you and Kelsey for uh, having us on. It's been a delight. You, uh, I've, I've been interviewed a number of times. I've been on your side of the mic a number of times, and you and Kelsey are pros. You know what you're doing. And well, thank you oh, very much. thank you. Yeah, that made thank our day, did. definitely. Well, the people now in Los we... Angeles are lucky to have LA Talk Radio. I'll tell you well, that. awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Pleasure. And thanks again for all the donuts, for all the sugar you got <laughs> this morning. <laughs> We're extremely, <laughs> a lot of gratitude on that, let's say. So much uh, success to you with the book. Everybody go out and get foreign correspondent Steve Patton and Patty Mosier. And um, much success with it. You're always co- welcome to come back. Thank, Thank you. you. There's always so a lot much. of stuff still to talk about. Thank you so much. And folks out there. Uh, Kelsey and Sam do not have to worry about donuts. They both look in great shape. <laughs> I assure you. Thank you. <laughs> we try. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you all for joining us as usual. Kelsey, thank you. Yes. And we'll see everybody tomorrow. Bye, guys. Listening to Sam in the Morning with Kelsey only on LA Talk Radio.